What is going on, people? This is Michael Hunter in the beautiful triangle on a lovely weekend, a three-day weekend. It is Monday. I'm recording today after I took an extra day off to go visit family in South Carolina. I am back. <clears throat> I wanted to let everybody know that from now on, I think uh, I think we're out of it. I think we're out of the dog days of, uh, of, ba- of, of college basketball news and back into full-length shows. Hopefully no more quick hitters. I'm going to concentrate on, uh, you know, getting the the 45-minute to an hour and 15-minute shows to you every, you know, once a week at at the least. Uh, Maybe some quick hitters in there every now and then if something pops up that I feel I want to talk about. Um, So, you know, don't forget, as we get back into it, like, rate, review, share. Uh, The more you guys do that, the more the word gets out, the more help I get from... Uh, potential advertisers and people that can help me out to keep uh, to keep producing the show and uh, spend more time on it. Uh, got a good show for you guys today. Uh, I've been working most of the morning since I got back from South Carolina uh, t- to put all kinds of stuff together. A lot of recruiting news. And today I'm also going to start with the 2018 and 19 ACC projections in inverse order of how I think everybody's going to finish. So today will be the number 15 team. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, A little housekeeping. I want to touch on some ACC recruiting because we are getting way deep into that right now. We're starting to see some commitments, starting to see some people cut their lists, uh, some high-profile targets. uh, Let me adjust my headphones here real quick. Um, Some high-profile targets starting to cut their lists, commit to programs, and the ACC is... I'm going to say maintaining their high level of talent in the country. I mean, the most talented conference in the country is continuing to land some of the best talent in the country. Uh, we saw that with the the 2018 class, guys like Nasir Little and R.J. Barrett and Zion and Cam Reddish, uh, Mike DeVoe, uh, Nate Lazuski, uh, Jalen Carey, guys, you know, guys in that list that, uh, that I put out uh, a couple weeks ago. And the 2019 class is shaping up to be the same way. Uh, first one off the list, probably the least surprising commitment lately has been Armando Baycott. He has uh, finally chosen UNC, and I believe chose UNC before he ever took any of the, his five official visits. Uh, Baycott to UNC is the least surprising commitment thus far in the 2019 class. He's the number 23 ranked player in the country at IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, 6'10", 6'11", big man. He's going to be... The classic UNC guy. He's going to have his moments as a freshman. And then as he, you know, I don't think he's going to be a high impact guy as a freshman. I think guys like Manley and Huffman um, are, are going to be still the guys. Uh, and Garrison Brooks as well. As they get older and when Baycott's a freshman. And then as those guys filter out, I think Baycott's upside is probably higher than any of those three guys that they have right now. So Armando Baycott, number 23, comes off the board to UNC. Um, next one down, Chase Hunter chooses Clemson. He's a four-star shooting guard out of Georgia, I believe. Um, you know, Brad Brownell finally closes after uh, you know recently losing high-profile guys like Trey McGowan's and, and Zion Williamson. Uh, Hunter's a really good kid. He's going to pair nicely with uh, uh, Hunter Tyson, who is their freshman this year. Uh, you know, Brad Brownell. You know, I give him a lot of shit on this program, but. Uh, you know, this is a good get for him. This Chase Hunter is a really good player. Uh, Caden Shedrick commits to UVA. 
uh, four-star kid joins uh, Casey Morsell in the 2019 class. You know, UVA starting to uh, to put a really nice 2019 class together after the 2018 class was kind of eh. Um, this, despite people's belief that the style that these guys play, that the Cavs play, will will impact their recruiting negatively. I've never, you know, I've always been a big uh, believer in. You know, sometimes the rankings and the stars get in the way. And if you ever watch um, Last Chance U, uh, the coach often says, stars get a coach fired. And, uh, and and I believe that 100%. If you get guys that are great but don't fit your system, you know, that's not a good deal. And UVA continues to get high high star ranking guys while also landing guys that fit their system. Kyle Guy was a five-star guy. He fits that system perfectly. Okay, Ty Jerome was a four-star guy. Fits that system perfectly. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, I think he's more of a chameleon than a guy that fits any particular system. I think he's probably successful in whatever system you put him in. Um, you know, Jack Salt, I don't know if he plays for many of the other top 30 teams in the country, but UVA uses him in a, in a fashion that fits his his uh, his skill set, and they're, they're successful with him on the floor for 25, 30 minutes a game. So uh, Shedrick is a guy that really blew up, you know, a 6'9", 6'10", front court player, and has blown up a lot over just this past summer and, uh, you know, rose, raised his profile a great deal. And I think UVA got a guy that his, bas- his best basketball is ahead of him. Um, NC State in not really recruiting news, but something I wrote about last week. Uh, NC State gets Blake Harris early. He's a transfer from Missouri. He's going to back up Markel Johnson at the point guard spot, keep Braxton Beverly primarily at the shooting guard spot. They did, however, lose Manny Bates to a red shirt who had uh, offseason shoulder surgery. So, you know, that rim-protecting front man position at NC State gets even a little bit more murkier because that position doesn't really exist outside of Wyatt Walker, the transfer from Sanford. Now, the style of play that Kevin Keats is going to play doesn't really need that, but it's always nice to have some kind of player to defend that rim. Um, It gives you a little bit more... Uh, maybe ability to play zone, you know, if you have a help side defender that can come over and block shots, that can rotate, things like that. They don't really have big men that play that way outside of Walker, who's, you know, he's a nice player, but he also came from Sanford, you know, in the SoCon. The SoCon's not the ACC. Anyway, you want to see my read up on that? It's on It's on ACC BR right now. Go check it out. Uh, Miami got some good news. Anthony Mack, the transfer Wyoming, 6'6 shooting guard, uh, was actually given a waiver after transferring to Miami. He'll be able to play immediately. He did not appear in any games last year for Wyoming due to injury. Uh, he was a three-star recruit in the 2017 class, so that's good news for Miami, who did not bring in any freshmen in this past class. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I haven't seen anything regarding Larinaga or the staff in regards to the Adidas scandal lately. So, and I think they were actually omitted after uh, a couple reports came out. Miami wasn't really mentioned at all. I think that was the school that that was failed to be mentioned after a while. But anyway, um, Pitt uh, Houston hosted. Um, I'm gonna fuck this name up. Uh, Kudus Wahab. Uh, for an unofficial visit this weekend, he's the number 95 big man recruit, or the number 95 recruit in the country. He's a big man, 6'10", 6'11". Uh, Syracuse is going to host him on September 8th. You know, this is, um, it, it's quite apparent that Jeff Capel is focusing on big man. He even had his hat in the ring for Baycott for a while, but UNC was just too deep on Baycott. Uh, Georgia Tech has, conf- well, I I guess, this is what I'm hearing. We have four official visits 
um, coming for the 2019 class, all of which are landing in September. I can say that with confidence. Uh, Boogie Ellis, who is a West Coast point guard and a relation to former Georgia Tech point guard uh, Justin Moore, has set up an official visit for September 14th to the 16th. Orlando Robinson, who is a seven foot center out of Las Vegas, um, is set up for the 28th to the 30th. Robbie Barron, um, I received a notification last night that he will be taking an official visit to uh, Georgia Tech and presumably Boston College as well. Those are the two schools that I think right now are the deepest in on him. But this is a kid that his profile has jumped maybe more than anybody in the country in the last few months. Uh, he's a 6'9", 6'10", hybrid forward, shoots the three, uh, can defend, you know, really tall, big kid that can shoot the ball as well as post up a little bit. Um, I think he jumped from... Uh, triple digits in the recent uh, rivals uh, rivals numbers up to somewhere around like 45. He's uh, His stock has just blown up. He's got that Dirk Nowitzki skill set that everybody loves. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of tape on him. I just know that this is a kid right now that, you know, if you, if you have your Twitter set up correctly or you have it set up like I do, you've been receiving offer notifications for Robbie Barron for like the past four weeks, just constantly, all the time. Um, and the fourth one is uh, Ishmael Masood, uh, you know, a, a combo forward type player who uh, can really shoot the ball. He's scheduled for also the 28th to the 30th, so he'll be visiting the same time as Orlando Robinson. Uh, Louisville hosted 2021 top uh, 15 player Christian Lander for an unofficial visit per Evan Daniels. This is a 14th ranked player in the 2021 class, a uh, 5'11 point guard out of Indiana. Virginia Tech hosted uh, James Booknight for an official visit this weekend. He's a top 75 player in the country, shooting guard at Massachusetts. Duke and Syracuse both make the cut uh, for coveted big man Isaiah Stewart. Uh, he cut his list from 10 to 6. This is a kid who, you know, he was part of the the, the potential 2019 class that I wrote about for Duke. For uh, I put it on an ACCBR a couple of days ago. Um, he cut from 10 to 6. Syracuse and Duke make the cut. Notre Dame was removed from consideration, which I speculated may happen in an article on Slap a Sign a couple weeks ago. And some Notre Dame fans kind of gave me some guff and said, well, you know, I, I suggested that Trey Mitchell be has become the focus over there for, for Notre Dame. And some people took umbrage with that and said, you know, no, you go after Isaiah Stewart. Well, that's fine. But you also have to realize that there's something called gettability. Okay, if Bray and Blankus and, and Ryan Ayers and Ryan Humphrey don't think that they're able to land Isaiah Stewart, they're not going to continue to throw good money after bad. They're going to move on to the next guys that they feel they can get that can help their program. Now, those guys are Trey Mitchell, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and uh, and Zeke Nanaji, who Zeke Nanaji was actually in South Bend for an unofficial visit this past week. Um, you know, I look for, I think Trey Mitchell is the most the most obvious candidate to land there. But if you want to read about it, go over to Slap the Sign. Uh, check out my article over there. It just got published the other day. Uh, so Duke at Syracuse still in the, the running for Isaiah Stewart. I fully expect him to land at Duke. Um, I, I just don't see any other way around it at this point. You know, what you know, Coach K wants, Coach K typically gets. Stewart is a guy that kind of reminds me of... Carlos Boozer, uh, you know, a former Duke player that, you know, when Coach K can run his system the way he wants and, you know, that single post with a four-round offense, Duke seems to be very, very effective. Um, you know, some of Coach K's best teams have come when he's had that single big man on the block. You know, the Jaleel Okafors, uh, Carlos Boozers, Elton Brands, 
um, Sheldon Williams for a year. You know, those those teams are always, I think, maybe not the best. You know, they're, maybe they're not, they've won, obviously, championships with other teams. But the most predictable, maybe, the most consistent. And I, I think the, the best product that Duke has been able to put on the floor has been when they've had that single postman that they can just dump the ball into. They put four shooters around him and just go to work. Um, now, whether or not, you know, they continue to do that or they go to the Wendell Carter, Marvin Bagley situation again, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that right now, Duke is going to take five of the best 30 players in the country, put some people out there that can play, and Coach K is going to let them run like they're at Rucker. So we'll see what happens. Moving on to my uh, 2018-19 ACC projections. I kind of went back and forth on this, and I think I mentioned it last week with you guys. Um, and actually, this podcast is going a little bit faster than I anticipated. Um, I thought it would take me a little bit longer to get through the recruiting, but I just kind of blew through it, and for that, I apologize. Um, last week, I talked about you know how I was going through the process of putting together the inverse order of the standings for the upcoming season, and I thought it was Wake Forest. Um, I've been thinking it was Wake Forest since you know I started putting the list together two months ago. And what I've come up with now is it ain't Wake Forest because I started breaking down Wake Forest's roster. And even though Bryant Crawford and Darrell Moore are gone, um, there's still a couple players in that, on that, that roster that I really, really like. Um, one of them may surprise you when I get to Wake Forest. But the number 15 team after I started looking at it is, is still Pittsburgh. Now, when you look at it, Pittsburgh had a really successful offseason, I believe. You know, they dumped a coach that should never have been hired in Kevin Stallings, okay? This is a team that went 8-24 and 0-18 and in the ACC last year. A team that under Stallings went, uh, f- what was it, 4-32 four, four and, four, so four and 32 in, uh, in two years in the ACC. You know, I, you know, regardless of what you're getting paid per year, that just ain't going to get it done. Um and, you know, Heather Like made the right decision and got out from underneath that contract. Paid a hefty buyout, but then made a splash hire with a guy that can fill these coffers with high-level recruits or at least uh, recruits that can compete at the ACC level. So Pittsburgh is still at 15 for me, um, mostly because, you know, let's get into it. Key losses, Marcus Carr, who was a freshman last year, a guy out of Montverde, I believe. Uh, 10 points, 4 assists, 2.8 rebounds per game as a freshman. He then transferred to Minnesota after Stallings was fired. Uh, also a 6'6 shooting guard, also a freshman. Parker Stewart, 9.1 points, 3.5 rebounds, made 71 triples and shot 38% from deep. He transferred to Tennessee Martin to play for his dad, who's also a Division One coach. And the third loss was... Maybe not as impactful because he wasn't there for most of the season last year. Was uh, senior Ryan Luther, uh, average double double, thirteen points, ten boards, two point eight assists per game. Only appeared in ten games though. Uh, he did get injured. I think what was a stress fracture in his leg, stress reaction, something like that. Uh, appeared in ten games. He then got a waiver transfer to Arizona. I believe he's eligible for the Wildcats this season. Now you know you can't replace anybody. Typically, anybody who averages a double double, it's hard to do. But they, some of these guys are already used to playing without him. Um, so Ryan Luther, statistically, yes, it's a it's a big loss, but they basically played without him last year as well. Uh, some key additions, I thought uh, Capel did a fantastic job this offseason putting a class together that he was able to put together. Now, 
Cable also had a lot of work to do because at one point, um, you know, 95% of his roster was released from their scholarship obligations um, at Pittsburgh, and they were looking to go elsewhere. So he had to recruit additional players to bring in that would fit his system. He also had to recruit players that were already at Pittsburgh, so they'd remain on the roster. So he actually had to, you know, field an entire team almost from scratch. I think at one point he only had two guys still on the roster, and neither one of the guys played last year. Uh, some, some, so apart from guys that he brought back that were prior on the team, such as uh, Kenny Chukwuku, uh, Terrell Brown, Shamil Stevenson, players like that. He also was able to bring in Xavier Johnson, who's a decommit uh, from Nebraska. He's a top 300 player, three-star guy, kind of an athlete, uh, can't shoot a lick, but uh, he has a high upside, I think, as a perimeter defender. And for a team that may struggle scoring, I think this kid has has a spot, has a niche, has a, a path to playing time as a freshman. If he can be a perimeter defender that... You can put on guys, I'm not going to say R.J. Barrett because that's fucking ridiculous, but, you know, maybe Kobe White, you know, maybe you put Xavier Johnson on Kobe White and he's able to, you know, freshman on freshman, good athlete. Uh, Johnson's a little bit bigger than White, so, you know, maybe you can disrupt something there. You know, maybe you put him on Ty Jerome, you know, Kyle Guy maybe a little bit, Guy, that might be a stretch, but... I think this is a, a very underrated pickup. I thought so when this kid went to Nebraska. I thought, um, uh, was it Miles? Tim Miles. I thought Tim Miles got a steal with this kid. I think he's a lot better than his, you know, 280, 290 range rating is where I think they had him. Uh, second key addition, Trey McGowns, was a 6'4 point guard, number 95 in the country at a Hargrave Military Academy. You know, this is a guy that I just mentioned a few minutes ago was thought to be going to Clemson. Um, a, a miss by Brad Brownell. And. You know, he ends up at Pittsburgh somehow. Um, Capel must have connections at Hargrave. That's all I got to say. Or some of the rumors are true. I don't really know. But uh, this is a kid that's going to replace Carr. He's going to be the point guard. He's a big point guard at 6'4". Um, he's going to get the ball from day one, and it's going to be his show. Now, Carr, you know, I was a – I think that I liked Carr at the point – as a freshman, more or, or, or better than he performed, which is to say, I thought that he had potential to be very good for this program down the road. Um, you know, 10 points, four assists, three rebounds as, as a freshman, that's not bad, but he was pretty inefficient. He took some bad shots, um, made some bad decisions, but he's also a freshman in the ACC. Now, McGowan's comes in, he's going to get the same opportunity that Carr did. He may, do a, he may be a little bit better statistically. I think he's probably a better shooter. But Carr was also pretty highly regarded coming out of high school. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the third key addition is Adiese Tony, a 6'6 shooting guard, number 118 overall in the country. Uh, he's a little thin at 180, 190. Um, good player. When, when Pitt landed him, he was one of the best players available on the board along with uh, Andre Hyatt and a couple other guys. I honestly have not seen a ton of this kid play, but I know that people that do watch AU events and do some scouting have contacted me and said that this kid has a really high upside. Okay. So some key additions. All three of these guys are guards, which when you lose Ryan Luther, your double-double guy, and then you recruit three guards, uh, you know, it leaves you with the problem that Pittsburgh currently has. So five reasons why I have Pitt in the basement, and here they are. McGowan's and Tony, I don't think are as good as Marcus Carr and Parker Stewart right now. Um, I think with with Carr and Stewart instead of these two, or possibly even in addition to these two, I think Pittsburgh can finish in the twelve to thirteen range. 
Unfortunately, that's not the case. I don't think McGowan's and Tony are as good as these two, and I think it's going to take some time, some growing pains, just like it did last year. You know, we all knew that Pittsburgh was going to be bad early, but Pittsburgh, really, in honesty, had a little run there in the middle where they started to put it together a little. Parker Stewart came into his own a little bit. Marcus Carp came into his own a little bit. Shamil Stevenson is a player that I like. Um, you know, he's he's one of those players that did return. He's just kind of a man without a position. He's a six six shooting guard, but he's built like a fucking linebacker. And he he's not a great shooter, but he's a pretty good rebounder. He's pretty good in the open court, but he's not a great ball handler. So when it comes to Shamil Stevenson... I think he's a good player, but, ah, you know. Reason number two, I'm still not sure about Jeff Capel's in-game coaching ability. Um, you know, he took VCU uh, to the NCAA tournament. He went to Oklahoma and made some runs with Oklahoma. Well, he, you know, after he left Oklahoma and went to Duke, every time that Coach K has been out for various medical issues, those Duke teams have not performed well under Capel. And Capel should know. Capel played in that system. Capel's coached in that system for quite a while now. And those Duke program, those Duke teams did still did not perform very well when when Capel was was at the helm in Coach K's absence. Now, he does have a couple of pretty good assistants that he made in the offseason. His uh, you know, his brother Jason, not my favorite, but regardless, he has been to the tournament. You know, when he has high-profile guys like Blake, uh, Blake Griffin, and I believe, uh, I, I should check this before I say it, Eric Maynard, I believe that was that team, that VCU team, um, he has been able to win games, make it to the dance, and do well. And we all know that he has the ability to bring in high-profile guys. My, you know, the biggest thing that I worry about with Capel is his ability to make halftime adjustments, especially at the ACC level. You know, say what you want, the Atlantic 10 and the Big 12 are not the ACC. You know, the Big 12 is very good now. Back when Capel was in the Big 12, it wasn't as good as it is now. I'll just say that. <clears throat> I also worry about his ability to keep... Uh, bad characters away from his program. Okay, maybe he learned from Oklahoma. Uh, certainly possible. He was a young coach at the time. You know, his star was rising. He may have, you know, been smelling his own shit a little bit. But, you know, he let that, uh, he let a, I can't remember the guy's name at this point either, but he let one of his assistant coaches get involved with a guy from TD Ameritrade or something like that. And then he brought kids like Tommy Mason Griffin and Keith Tiny Gallon into the program. He didn't get along with Willie Warren all that well. And, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it cost him his job. So hopefully he learned some lessons at the Oklahoma gig, and hopefully he can keep those kind of people either in check or away from his program altogether. Um, also, I believe that one of the things that he's trying to do and one of the things that he needs to do is he needs to reopen that recruiting pipeline to New York that Pittsburgh had under, you know, uh, Ben Howell and Jamie Dixon when Pittsburgh was in the Big East before they made the move to the ACC. And I think he's doing that because... He, he's he's making moves into New York. He's making those inroads currently, and I think that's going to be a big part of how he's successful as well. Uh, the third reason why I don't think that Pittsburgh will get out of the basement this year is that their best offensive player, he's a senior. His name's Jared Wilson Frame. He's a transfer. Um, last year averaged about 13.5 points, um, thir uh, sorry, 3.5 rebounds, and about an assist and a half per game. The problem is he's incredibly inefficient. Um, he averages roughly 5 for 12 from the floor uh, for each game. He averages more turnovers than assists, and he only shoots about 32% from deep. Which, you know, he's, he's what we like to call a gunner. He's a chucker. Um, he, takes a, he takes some bad, bad threes early in the shot clock. Um, he did get better. 
as the season went along last year, and especially late in the season, I think he actually um, the roles were reversed, and he actually became very efficient. Um, you know, he the things that jump out to me sometimes. I don't really know how to take these advanced metrics sometimes because they're all over the map. Some of them say he's great. You can literally manipulate statistics to say anything that you want. In this case. On this team, a young team last year, he was a junior last year, playing with a bunch of freshmen, a bunch of newcomers, a bunch of guys coming from Juco like himself. Um, He had a usage rate of 29%, but he also had a turnover rate of 15%. That's not very good. For an inefficient player, a guy that doesn't shoot, a guy that turns the ball over and has a usage rate of almost 30%, that's just a bad, bad combination of things. And I think that in order for Pittsburgh to even win a game this year in the ACC, his usage rate needs to go down and his three-point percentage needs to go up about five to six points. Um, I think you put the ball in Trey McGowan's hands a heavy amount as a freshman and you just roll with him. Um, and, And I think that's going to be a key I, I don't think Wilson Frame is the guy that you want initiating your offense this year. And I think, you know, the sooner you give McGowan's the ball, the sooner his he gets into that learning curve and he learns how to play in the ACC and he becomes more of an effective point guard because I think he's a four-year player. He's a four-year player for Pitt. This is the guy that Capel's going to roll with. Okay, this this McGowan's Tony backcourt, this is Pitt's backcourt for the next three years. Okay, he may, now Capel may land a wing scorer, and that's certainly not outside the realm of possibilities. But he needs to roll with these two guys, and he needs to give these two guys the ball. And he needs to let a guy like Jared Wilson frame, float around, roll off screens, curls, mid-range game, catch, shoot, opportunities like that, and and not let him handle the ball and initiate that offense. Um, the number four reason, and along with number five, I think number four may be the most important. And that's lack of quality big men. The ACC, as much as college basketball is a point guard or a guard-driven league, or college basketball is a guard-driven game just in general, the ACC always has very good big men. Um, Now, that's going to change a little bit this year, given the attrition that the ACC experienced in the offseason. Most of every uh, upperclassman quality big man in the conference either graduated or went pro last year. Um, You know, you do have, you still have guys like, like Zion and, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, even though he's looked really bad, uh, Marcus Bolden, um, probably Javin. A little off topic here, but Javin uh, Delorier is probably going to become the starting center. Um, Florida State has some decent big men left, um, and and Christ Kamaji. Uh, you know, like I said, Eli Thomas still. Uh, NC State, not really, not traditional big men. Louisville will have a good big man, whoever it is. I don't know. North Carolina is obviously loaded in the front court, but. When you look at at Pittsburgh's roster, okay, um, I do like Terrell Brown. Uh, sometimes, though, he makes some decisions that just make you go, "Huh," you know. And and that you know that could be an experience deal, whatever. But you know, he's a guy that averaged four and a half points, three and a half rebounds last year. He's like he's one of the first guys that Capel had on the hook to come back to the program. Um, I think he's a quality guy. As far as a bit player, I guess. He's a guy that can come in and throw some weight around, get some rebounds, possibly block some shots. Now, after after Terrell Brown, you've got uh, Kenny Chukwuku and uh, Peace Illigoma. Those guys are an ACCI caliber big man. Now, Chukwuku can... He, he'll block a shot. He'll grab five, six rebounds a game. But he's, he's, he's just not an ACCI caliber guy. I think he came from... Was it Las, Las Vegas Prep? or Las Vegas Junior College, or something like that. Um, 
last year and and when he was at the juco level he didn't play a ton okay this guy is a is a spot filler for the kevin stallings era that because of uh, 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 a lack of quality depth has become a player that plays a ton of minutes and you just can't, you can't do that. He's just, he's just not a guy that's going to, you give him 25 minutes a game, he's going to give you three points and six rebounds. Okay. It's, it's not, that's not, you, you can't live in the ACC with a guy that's going to give you that kind, that kind of production in that kind of minute. You know, last year, for instance, two and a half points, Two and a half rebounds, he played 17 minutes a game. That is a per 40 average of I don't know what because it hasn't even been counted. Oh, there it is. Per 40 minutes, 5.8 points, uh, 6.4 rebounds, and one block. Okay, this is your seven-foot center average in one block per 40 minutes. It's not something that's going to get it done. And Illigoma is even worse. I do think Terrell Brown is going to have to step up. Now, that leaves them thin in the front line. Terrell Brown's going to get in foul trouble. Let me punch him in real quick because I think that he was a habitual fowler last year. Uh, let's see. And of course, I spelled his name wrong, so we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Here we go. Terrell Brown played 17 minutes a game last year, averaged two and a half fouls per game. So, per 40 minutes, he's averaging a little bit less than five and a half fouls per game, two and a half turnovers, and one assist. Not great, okay? Um, like I said, 17 minutes, you're averaging two and a half fouls, one turnover. But he does average a block and a half. So his per 40 average is three and a half blocks a game per 40. This is your guy. This is who you're rolling with in the 18-19 season. Now, he has a little bit of upside. Of, of the three guys, he's the obvious answer at the at the number five, at the pivot. I just wonder about his, his uh, foul trouble. I wonder about his turnovers. And I wonder about his decision-making, honestly. But he's the guy you're going to have to roll with for a year. But... He gets a lot of time this year. He gets a lot of experience. He could be an effective player for you by the time he's a junior, senior. He's the guy also on the roster with the most upside as far as the big men that they have. And the fifth and the last but not certainly not the least reason that I chose Pittsburgh to be in the 15 slot this coming year is their lack of – it's a huge lack of outside shooters. Okay, um, Parker Stewart made – 71 last year. Marcus Carr made 32. So that's over 100 of their triples right there that were gone last year on a team that, let's see real quick. Let's take a look. I know they were 308th in the country last year in three-point shooting, and they just lost 103 triples made. Let's see, out of the 200, yeah, so they lost 103 three-pointers out of the 258 they made last year. So what's that, roughly 35% of their made threes are gone uh, not to mention, I'm going to check this real quick because I think Ryan Luther probably had 20 or so. No, no, I'd be wrong again. Yeah, yeah, there it is. 30, no, that's the two-pointers. So Ryan Luther made a dozen of those. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think that McGowan's and Tony are going to make 104 threes, 103 threes. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, that's That's a serious, you know, as a team... Three-point percentage, 33%. It's good for 308th in the country last year. And you lost your best two, just about. Um, now, Wilson Frame probably made more, but he still only shoots 32% from deep. So the the lack of shooting and the lack of big men is, is what bothers me. Um, Terrell Brown, he, he may play out of his ass. Okay, Last year, you know, he's a 6'10 freshman that, uh, 
you know, he's just getting his feet wet in the ACC and gets thrown right in the fire at 17 minutes a game. Um, he's, you know, he's a three-star guy. So he could come out of it. But you don't just learn to shoot the ball overnight either. So shooting, big men play, especially big men depth. Even if Terrell Brown is good, they still have the same problem that Virginia Tech has, which is they have zero front court depth. Now, Virginia Tech's good, but they can make up scores easy because they have probably the most talented perimeter in the entire conference. Pittsburgh doesn't have that as far as uh, scores from deep. So you're going to have to really reply on, or I'm sorry, really uh, rely on being a team that is the sum is greater than the parts. And that's my dog standing right next to me because now he thinks that I'm doing something he needs to go outside. But this team, they don't have any experience really. Um, you know, they lose a guy like Luther. They lose those two players that, you know, in, in Carr and Parker, Stewart that, Got all the time last year. They got to rely on a guy like Wilson Frame um, to get stuff done. So, the upside, and there is an upside, people. Okay. The biggest upside for Pitt is Capel's ability to recruit. Okay. You see a program like this. I said last year on the Paul, I don't know if it was on the Paul or if it was in the written word on ACCBR, but this, if this kept going the way that Stallings had it going, this is a five year rebuild. You got to let a guy go for five years in order to turn this around. This is an aircraft carrier. Okay. Pitt basketball is an aircraft carrier under Kevin Stallings. It was gutted. Okay. Now they made probably the right hire as far as it goes, his ability to turn a program around with an influx of talent. They've already got three guards that are better than probably the three guards. No, they got three guards in that are very good. Um, had they lost Karen Stewart and another coachman in there in, in, instead of Jeff Capel, you know, if they had gone the mid-major route, I don't think that they land guys like Trey McGowan's and Tony and Xavier Johnson. Um, so, you know, he lands three good guards in his first class, and now he's focused on getting a quality big man. Like I said, he was in on Baycott. He's in on Wahab. I just wrote an article about it on ACCBR. Go there and check it out if you want to if you want to read more about what I think about Jeff Capel because th- it's called Jeff Capel Looks Like a Home Run Hire. That's, that's the title. Um, while I do question his in-game coaching, no one can question his ability to develop relationships with high-impact prospects and get them on campus. He's done it literally everywhere he's been. So, Pittsburgh fans, if I have any, I'm not sure I do, but when I'm talking about putting you guys in the basement for this upcoming season, um, I, I don't think it's a stretch, and I, I, I don't think that you guys think that's a stretch either. I think that you guys are excited about this hire, and I think you should be. But at the same time, I don't think you have the experience or the depth, especially in your front court, to to get out of the basement quite yet. I will be back next week, fellas. We're going to start back in on the, on the weekly editions. I'm going to get these out of here. I'm going to preview some recruiting classes for you guys in the coming weeks. Uh, get to ACCBR. Check out my stuff there. Get to Slap the Sun. Check out my stuff there. We've been putting out some really cool stuff lately. Um, and get to GT Swarm. Uh, interact with the community for Georgia Tech basketball. If you guys are Georgia Tech fans, I also write a little bit for that. And I got some other stuff in the works as well. I'm also um, talking to some people about some interviews. Some of the stuff has fallen through in the last couple weeks. But as much as we're in the dog days of college basketball news, this is a high-energy time for college basketball recruiting. So I haven't been able to get some of the coaches in here that I like. But I actually had a recruit contact me over the weekend that wants to do a phone interview, which I'm really excited about. So um, the more I hear about that, I will let you guys know. 
Uh, don't forget to like, rate, review, share. Get my listeners up so I can start getting some advertising so I can start putting a better product out for you guys because this podcast is far from perfect, but I think it's where you need to go in order to get the most information for what's going on in the ACC. I thank you guys for your time. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you next Sunday. Later.